0: Good morning. It is good to see you. We're glad that you're here with us at Potomac Hills. Uh, If you're new or if you're visiting, uh, we hope that you can stick around after the service. Uh, We'd like to meet you in the back hall and get to know you or just to fill you in with what's going on here at Potomac Hills. So we'd love to meet you in the back after the service. So we hope you stick around. Well, church, uh, it's that time of the year, isn't it? Right? Where we all have the opportunity to give, to spend money, spend time with family, to drink gingerbread lattes at Starbucks, and best of all, to experience the Christmas cheer of our fellow Northern Virginians on the roads and in the parking lots, especially those in the malls. <laughs> and if you've lived here long enough, you know that I obviously I'm be a little facetious about that last point. But the reality is, right, the, the holidays are fun. They're a great time of year. But the reality is we know they're a lot of work. They really are. Uh, there's trips to the grocery stores. There's preparing for holiday meals, there's baking holiday goodies, there's decorating the house, decorating the lawn, DVRing holiday specials, buying gifts, endless searches for gifts, trips to the mall in holiday traffic, trips to see family in holiday traffic, and best of all, pleading with that single family member who will not give you an idea of what Christmas present you could give to them this year. I could go on and on, but I think most of all you all probably uh, understand And most of you are probably in the thick of it right now in this Christmas season, just like me. It is a fun time of year, isn't it? But you know what? It's also uh, a busy time. And for many of us, it sometimes can be restless. And because Christmas is just around the corner, because things are probably only going to intensify from here on out, um, I'm going to ask you simply just to take the next 30 minutes uh, to forget about all that stuff, all the hustle and bustle of the season and i want you really just to sit back i want you to rest and i want you to receive the gift from what the lord would give to us in his word this morning to receive the peace and joy that comes from knowing the lord and coming from his scriptures because the truth is even though all the materialism of christmas it really is fun but you know what it doesn't bring true inner peace and true joy For true peace and joy only come from the Lord. And we have the opportunity now to slow down just for a little bit and to receive these things in his words. And so I ask, let's take this opportunity to do this, to receive what our king would have to give us this morning. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, you are good. Jesus, you are the reason for the season. And we thank you that you have humbled yourself, that you have left your rightful place on the throne in heaven to come to earth to bring peace and to bring joy to your people. We don't deserve it, but we are so grateful for it, Lord Jesus. Teach us to slow down amidst the storms and the busyness of our lives and to take pleasure in the deeper things of you, not just the material things of this world or this season. Teach us that true peace comes from knowing you, spending time with you, and appreciating what you've done for us. And Lord, give us joy that you are with us all the days of our lives, sifting every experience for your glory and our growth. Give us a deeper rest today in this time. Speak to our hearts. Remind us of your faithfulness and of your greatness. For you are the Son of David prophesied to come to be our wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. You are good. Meet us where we are now and teach us. And the church says, Amen. Amen. Good. Uh, Well, when you think of uh, the greatest announcement that you've ever read or been told, what comes to mind? Greatest announcement that you've ever heard? Maybe it's the Berlin Wall coming down? Maybe Steve Jobs' reveal of the first iPhone, if you like gadgets. Maybe if you like justice, SEAL Team 6 taking out Osama Bin Laden. If you're a Dallas fan, maybe Redskins mortgaging the future on RG3 in the NFL draft. Or if you're a Cleveland Cavs fan, maybe it's uh, the fact that the king just came home. Right? LeBron James coming back to Cleveland. Or maybe if you're young, maybe the greatest announcement that you've ever heard is that Santa Claus is soon to come to town well, the reason I ask this question, what is the, the greatest announcement that you've ever heard or whatever you read, is because I want us to think about what our answers were, or maybe the first thing that just popped into your head. Um, because as we think about this, I want you to, to realize uh, how worldly our perspectives truly are, just how stuck and consumed we are in the here and now of this world, how our perspectives are often fixed on the things around us, rather than God, what He's doing and what He wants from us. And how, how it is so easy to forget, right, how to differentiate between what is just good news and what is truly great news. How many of us, when answering this question, what's the greatest announcement you've ever heard? How many of you would have answered, oh, that's easy. It's the angel Gabriel, right? Proclaiming the birth of the coming Savior. And that was the first thing off the top of your head. Well, probably not many of us. It's probably not the first thing that popped into our heads. You know, when I thought about this question myself, the first thing that came to my mind was the fact that the old Expos were going to become the Nationals, and they were coming to town. We are going to finally have a Major League Baseball team. That was one of the greatest announcements I had heard. I was looking forward to that. But, uh, you know, the, the reality is uh, even I, you know, you're a pastor, I, I, I fail to differentiate between what is just good news and what is truly great news. And I think for me it's because I live such a fast-paced life, um, like most of you do in this county. And I don't slow down enough to truly appreciate the grandeur of Scripture and the announcement that we get to read about in the Gospel of Luke. And if you're like me, you then you need a reminder to slow down. To see what is truly great news. The greatest of all news. And so church, we have the privilege to hear the greatest announcement in history. This comes to us in point one as we look at Luke 1, verses 26 through 33. This is the announcement. Please read with me. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. Did you hear the last portion of the angel Gabriel's announcement? This miracle child, who was to be born from a virgin mother who's probably around the age of 13, as she's now receiving this announcement, she's she's told that she's going to give birth To a child who will be great, who will be called with this title, the Son of the Most High, the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Not only will this child have a birth like nobody else in human history, which is true, he's also going to be a king. Like his father and descendant, King David. But the difference is, unlike King David, the kingdom that this child will rule over, it's going to have no end, the angel Gabriel told us. Now, this church, this is truly an announcement like none other. For this announcement is declaring the greatest event to ever happen the coming of the king, the coming of the Messiah who had changed the course of history, who had come to save us. But this is not the first time this announcement has been told, because in the book of Isaiah, in the ninth chapter, Isaiah prophesied this. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of the peace, there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. This prophecy is about a child who will be the king of kings, a king above all other kings, past, present, and future infinitely more powerful than world presidents like Barack Obama, Vladimir Putin, and Xi Jinping combined. You ask, well, how did people know that this child was the coming Messiah, this king that was prophesied of in the Old Testament? Well, for one, the angel Gabriel told us so in our passage. But there's also another helpful piece of information confirming this child's identity as the Messiah And it was the fact that this child would be a descendant, a son of King David. Luke, our author, he really goes out of his way to make sure that he mentioned the child's earthly father, Joseph. He's from the line of David, of the tribe of Judah, in verse 27. And then Luke records in verse 32 that he would receive the throne or kingdom of his father, David. So you can see the pieces of this this puzzle, they're beginning to fit together. There's a, a painting, this picture of the child's lineage. It's beginning to allude to his divinity, his identity, as a son of David, as the prophesied Messiah. But you say, okay, I'm starting to see that. But why does it matter that he was a son of David? Oh, well, great, that's a great question. The answer is because God chose to bring salvation to his people through a chosen lineage. And that chosen lineage continued through the line of David. Deuteronomy 7, verses 6 through 9, tell us about a people who God chose, a small group of people who who were poor, who were insignificant. But because of God's glory, he chose a weak people in order that he might show himself to be strong. Because the reality is, is when we are weak, The Lord chose himself to be strong. The Lord raised up a remnant for himself, a chosen people. And in God's timing, he chose to make covenants, promises, securing a blessed future for his own people. And God made one of those covenants, one of these promises with King David. But if you remember, King David did not come from a family of royalty. He was a shepherd. God chose him, though, to become royalty. David wasn't really a, a tall or, or a giant handsome man like Saul, Israel's first king. David was more like a small and unassuming figure. But the difference was that David was faithful and repentant before God, and God chose him. 1 Samuel 16, 7 tells us, The Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. And the heart of David was to please God, to bring his father glory. And God saw fit in his time and in his ways to make a binding covenant, an unbreakable promise with David, as he had previously done with David's forefathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God promised to give King David rest from all his enemies, a great name among all the earth, to make him a house and to raise up his offspring after him to establish a kingdom that would have no end The Lord declared to David in 2 Samuel 7, Your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. Meaning David's reign would last, and it did. For the Davidic dynasty lasted longer than the greatest Egyptian dynasty. The Davidic dynasty ruled over Judah for over 400 years before the Babylonians finally overtook it. But you say, though, you said forever. 400 years isn't forever, so how did God keep his word? Well, God kept his word. Because he was pointing to someone greater, a greater king that would come. For the prophets understood the Davidic covenant only to be fulfilled in the coming Messiah. Because no human can reign over a kingdom forever, but God can. And God has no beginning, and he has no end. And that's exactly how the New Testament interprets the covenant with David. The kingdom reign is ultimately fulfilled in the reign of the son of David, which is Jesus Christ and his eternal messianic rule. The succession of the Davidic kings under the old covenant, they were types, kind of like shadowy figures, pointing to the true king who would come to us. The shadows the Davidic kings were, were not the fullest expression of God's reign. Only Jesus, the coming of this child, the Messiah, who is fully God, could be that full expression. Hebrews chapter 1, verses 8 through 9, really alludes to this truth when it references a Davidic psalm, Psalm 45, which was sung of Davidic kings. But in Hebrews chapter 1, this psalm is used to describe the sonship and kingship of Jesus, who is a fuller expression of this truth, of this king. The psalmist sings, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of uprightness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. The reason verses like this and and Hebrews chapter 1, the reason why they're important is because they teach us how to understand some of the deeper meanings and purposes of the Old Testament Scriptures. Because Scripture interprets Scripture. And here we have the author of Hebrews confirming a connection between the sonship and kingship of David and of Jesus. That this child that the angel Gabriel is announcing to Mary is going to be the king. He is the king, the coming Messiah that comes from the line of David. This child that would be born would be the king of kings, the Lord of lords, and the prince of peace. And we know this because the Old and New Testament scriptures tell us so. Because this announcement, this is not like any other baby announcement that you've ever heard, whether it's from friends, a text message, from Facebook, from maybe a mail. This is the greatest baby announcement ever, because it's talking about a child who's coming into the world who would be a king whose reign would have no end, who is unlike anybody else. You see, church, this is not just good news. This is the greatest of news. It truly is an announcement of a king who would come to reign over his people, whose reign would have no end, who's perfect, who's righteous, who's good, and who's just. But we can't stop there because we know the story doesn't end with just an announcement we have the fulfillment of this announcement to read about. So let's take a look at that now. Let's read Luke 2, verses 1 through 7. This is point 2, the birth. Let's read this together. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. for them in the end. See, church, this here is the reason for the season. Amen? This is the child who is prophesied to come, and he has now finally come. No more waiting, no more hoping that the prophecies of the coming Messiah, coming King, would be true, because he's here, and he's here in the flesh. Do you realize that it's been little over 600 years since Israel has had a king. God's people have been subjected to foreign rule for over 600 years now because the last king of Judah was, was quickly overtaken by Nebuchadnezzar in 586, 587. So you see, even the people have been subject to other kings, other rulers for a long time. This is more than just announcements. This is the birth of something radically new For the jewish people this is their freedom which is coming to life this is their freedom taking on flesh their hope taking on flesh and church reality is this is our hope taking on flesh here as well and luke is fully aware of this truth because he gives us further details proving this child to be the one whom the prophets prophesied about who would be the king who would be this son of david who would have no end in his reigning over his kingdom. Luke tells us that Joseph took his wife Mary, who was pregnant with Jesus, to Bethlehem, the city of David, to be registered because Caesar had decreed that there be a census. So Joseph, under subjection to Roman rule, he obeyed, and he brought his family to Bethlehem, where he was from. But you ask, well, why does Luke give us uh, details about this, this trip? Why is that significant? It's significant because Luke knows God is at work. He's using Caesar for his greater plans. This prophecy and Micah, chapter 5, verses 2 through 5, it shows this right here. This is what Micah says. But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, you who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth from me one who is to be a ruler of, and he shall be their peace. It is from this town of Bethlehem that the Messiah was prophesied to come. So you can see this detail is more than just a detail. Coming from Bethlehem was a requirement the Messiah would have to fulfill in order to actually be the Messiah. So you can see why Luke would mention this. This is important. This, is, this truth is vital to the identity of who this child is who is about to be born, and who's about to change the course of human history, not just for the Jews, but for the whole entire world as well. Church, this is truly great news that we are learning. The, con- the confirming of the birth of Jesus and, and who he-, he is supposed to be, that he is the son of David, prophesied to come to free his people, that he would be the king of kings and prince of peace. Church, do you see the beauty of the scriptures as we're reading through them, of the scriptures of the Old and New Testament this morning, how they're like a perfect web, how they're interconnected and spiraling towards one moment in time. The birth of the one who would come to save us. The one who would bring glory to the Father, the one who would fulfill prophecy, fulfill a new covenant. The one who would take on God's wrath, give us freedom, give us righteousness, and give us life everlasting. Because when you see the beauty and the interconnectedness of the Scriptures and the mastery of the Scriptures, then you begin to trust that these Scriptures are true and that they're good for you now and for your daily lives and what it has to say. You begin to believe more and more that what the the Scriptures say, that they're right and that they truly have power, that they're unlike any other book that's ever been read and when you believe with deeper and deeper convictions that these scriptures are true, then over time our perspectives become more heavenly, more godly, less man-centered. We begin to see things a little differently, things about this world and our experiences, because we know God's at work in ways sometimes we don't see, don't understand. Because the more the scriptures permeate our thoughts, our understanding, our memories, our conscious the more we're going to be likely to trust the Lord when things get really tough, when things get really busy, when things are chaotic, or when we experience times of loneliness. The reality is the the Christmas season can be a blessing to many of us, uh, but it can also be really hard. It can also be incredibly busy. It can be chaotic, and sometimes it can be full of drama, but it can also be lonely for some of us as well. And if you want peace and joy, then it is found in the Lord and it is found in his scriptures. And so I encourage you to read the scriptures, to learn about them, to know them, commit them to memory, take time to think about them this Christmas season. I want you to see how interconnected they are, how masterful this book was woven together to point us to the consummation of this Messiah, this King, who would bring us freedom, because the reality is God's will for us for this life is in His Scriptures, and if we want peace and joy in this life, then we're going to find that in knowing the Lord and knowing His Scriptures better. It comes from knowing the Lord what pleases the Lord. It comes from acting on what pleases the Lord. It comes from knowing that the Lord is going to help you carry out what is pleasing to him when you ask him for help. And joy comes knowing that the Lord is with us always, every step of our lives, sifting every experience, every moment, every event, for his greater glory and for our growth in Christ. You know, and that includes the good times, includes the busy times, chaotic times, the lonely times, and frankly, just the worst of times in our lives. You know, this past week, I, uh, I loved having the chance, and opportunity to learn more about this kind of connection between David and Jesus because it forced me to slow down during this Christmas season to see what do these scriptures have to say? What does the Lord have to say to us this week? And the Lord was faithful and he was good. He brought peace and joy to my heart. Because I was reminded, you know what, God, you're the one who's in control. You're the one with infinite resources. You are the one working all events in history, the big, small, medium size, all things for your glory, for your good. And you're the one in control, sifting those things. And you provide for your people in all ways, shapes, and forms. I was reminded that that he is truly the King of Kings. That he is a wonderful counselor. That he is a mighty and powerful God, everlasting Father, and that he truly is the Prince of Peace. Because he tells us, fear nothing, church, for I am with you. And he has provided for us in the birth of this child. And you know what? I needed this reminder this week. I really did. And I bet there's many of you who need this kind of reminder too. But you know what? I also hope that you slow down a little bit during this Christmas season to reflect upon the real reason of this season, and how good it truly is, and how much peace and joy there can be in the Lord and in his scriptures, because you're not going to be sorry if you spend that time with the Lord or his scriptures. You won't be sorry, because the Lord is powerful, and he's good. You see, the Lord is always faithful, even when you think that he's silent. Silence doesn't mean that he's abandoned you. It just means he's at work in ways maybe that we can't see, maybe ways we don't understand, Or maybe ways we we won't know. You know, the Jews, they waited 600 plus years for their king to come. That's a long time to be waiting. The Lord didn't abandon them in their times of their exile. Or the 400 years where there were no prophets. The fullness of time had not yet come. The Lord's ways had not fully yet come into fruition for the son to be born yet. But the Lord was still faithful even during those times. He was still good because he was waiting till the time, the time that would be right, where the angel Gabriel would appear to Mary and to give her this great announcement, the time that was right in human history, to bring about the coming of the Savior, the Messiah. And great news it was that was given to Mary and to all of us. For the Savior who was prophesied of, the Son of David, was finally now coming into the world. But as we read in Luke 2, Verses 6 through 7. The coming of this king, this son of David. He did not come in pomp and circumstance like one of our presidential inaugurations. No, the king above all kings, he came in poverty and he came in humility. This baby, this royal son of David, this all knowing, all seeing, all powerful, and all glorious son of God was born in a food trough for animals in Bethlehem. What kind of welcome? Did this king deserve? Jesus deserved to have every person from every nation come and worship him. He deserved to have every creature in the entire universe, from the fiercest lion to the tiniest insect, come to his cradle and give him praise. He deserved to have creation itself offer him worship, with the rocks crying glory and the galaxies dancing for joy. He is God, the Son, the Son of David, and anything less than absolute acknowledgement of his royal person is an insult to his divine dignity. But what welcome did he receive? This king who was prophesied of, who came from a loyal line of David, received a humble bed fit for lowly animals of this world. You see, despite the royal pedigree of our Savior, his birth was obscure, filled with rejection. For Mary and Joseph couldn't even get a proper room in the inn. Even though the Son of David, the Son of God, the Messiah did not receive the proper introduction into this world that he, above all others, rightly deserved. He did receive a fitting introduction into this world in regards to the kind of life that he would choose to live for us and for his Father's glory. For the prophet Isaiah prophesied this of this child, this Messiah who would come to us. Surely he has borne our griefs, carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And upon him was a chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. It is this child, Jesus, Jesus, who was pierced for our transgressions, who was crushed for our iniquities. It is upon Jesus that the chastisement was, was brought upon Him to bring us peace. And it is with Jesus, this child's wounds, that we would be healed. A royal son of David, a king was born to us this day. But He didn't come to be served. He came to serve us. He came to die so that we might live. Church, this is the reason of the season. Amen? God is good all the time, and all the time, yes, he is. Let's pray. Lord, you are faithful. You have sent us, Lord, Your Son, a Son of David, who is royal, who is full of power, full of majesty, whose reign will have no end, who gives us hope, who's with us all the days of our lives, who brings us peace and joy when we need it. Lord, we love You. Thank You for sending us, this child, this Savior, this Messiah who was born to die for us so that we might have life. As we go about our weeks preparing for Christmas, spending time with family, loving on friends, neighbors, may we remember the reason for this season. May we take time to slow down To find true peace and true joy that's only found in you, Lord Jesus. Because you give it to us abundantly when we ask. Thank you for your Son, what He's done for us. Thank you that you are faithful, keeping your covenants throughout history. You are a faithful God. We love you. And we thank you. And we commit this time to you. Be with us now. And the church says, Amen. That brought again from the dead, our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect in every good work to do His will, working in you that which is well-pleasing His sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Go in peace.